Get your business together. Get yourself into what you do and see it through. Being boss is hard. Blending work and life is messy. Making a dream job of your own isn't easy. But getting paid for it, becoming known for it, and finding purpose in it is so doable if you do the work. Being Boss is a podcast for creative entrepreneurs brought to you by Emily Thompson and Kathleen Shannon. Hi, I'm Emily, and I own Indie Shopography, where I help passionate entrepreneurs establish and grow their business online by helping them build brands that attract and websites that sell. I help my clients launch their business so they can do more of what they love and make money doing it. And I'm Kathleen. I'm the co-owner of Braid Creative, where I specialize in branding and business visioning for creative entrepreneurs who want to blend who they are with what they do, narrow in on their core genius, and shape their content so they can position themselves as experts to attract more dream clients. And Being Boss is a podcast where we're talking shop, giving you a peek behind the scenes of what it takes to build a business, interviewing other working creatives, and figuring it out as we go right there with you. Check out our archives at lovebeingboss.com. Welcome to episode number 47. This episode is brought to you by FreshBooks Cloud Accounting. Today, Emily and I are so excited to be chatting with the founder of You Need a Budget, Jesse Meekham. All right, you guys, I have a little bit of homework for you. We talk about this a little bit later in the episode, but I want you guys to track all of your expenses, even if it's old fashioned on a piece of paper. I want you to track all of your personal expenses. So the things that you spend money on every single month personally, and then I want you to track your business expenses. What are the things that you're spending on in business every single month? I think that this is one of the first steps to really getting control of your money is just looking at where it's going. Then you can see really how much you need to make and how much you want to make to live the kind of life that you want to live. Um, Be sure to keep on listening in the episode, but I wanted to mention that FreshBooks is a really great place for tracking your business expenses. FreshBooks is the easy-to-use online cloud accounting designed specifically for creative entrepreneurs who are not accountants, who did not major in financing, and even for creative entrepreneurs who hate talking or thinking about money. FreshBooks is there to help you run your business and make you look like a pro while doing it. Try FreshBooks for free today. Go to freshbooks.com slash beingboss and select being boss in the how did you hear about us section. All right, on to the show. Hey guys, we are so excited to have Jesse Meekham, the founder of youneedabudget.com on Being Boss here today. Um, Emily is a huge fan and her husband, David, who's also our chief financial officer for Being Boss. Um, but Jesse is a, a man of many talents. Whenever he's not speaking about or writing about or fine tuning software for You Need a Budget, um, he enjoys playing the piano, doing CrossFit. Um, and honing his golf swing. So he's like a man's man. <laughs> uh, Jesse, you have a degree in or a master's of accounting, accounting, accountancy. Fancy <laughs> way of have, saying accounting, I guess. Right. You have a CPA license. It sounds like you legitimately know what's what whenever it comes to um, money and budgets. 
Uh, yeah, I, the the CPA license is lapsed now. I had it for one year. It was a good run, but um, yeah, I let it go. So, so <laughs> I'm I'm recovering still from that. But, but no, it was good education, killer good education. If you want to get into business, understanding the money part is good. Uh, well, tell us a little bit more about yourself and why you created. You need a budget. So it's. You know, necessity is the mother of invention, right? And uh, I got married super young. I was 20, just turned 22 when I got married. So super young, married super sweet girl, Julie. And uh, and then we also had a baby really fast after that. So um, my first little guy, he was born in uh, June of 04. So we were still in school. Um, I had to finish that accounting degree. Julie got her degree in social work, which doesn't pay great, you know. And so we were we were just really strapped. And but it, you know, it's classic. You're in school and you're and you're poor. So nothing new there. But I I did uh, I did realize that things were tight and we needed a budget. And I started just kind of tinkering and building. And luckily, when we were first married, Julie was totally on board. You know, honeymoon phase and all that. And I was like, hey, should we? Can we do this budget? And she was like, yeah, sure, because you're great because we just got married a week ago, you know? So that was all, it worked out totally fine. And, um, and we got, yeah, we got going on that. And then over the first like year or two, I just kind of recognized that we, even with our very meager income at the time, that it was working really well for us. And over time, I've seen that it's paid uh, in the relationship a ton, but it was just, it, yeah, it really opened up my eyes that people needed that. And uh, so... From that, I started uh, what we call YNAB because we're all busy. We can't say the whole name, so we just say YNAB. <laughs> I was wondering if you guys call it YNAB yeah. or you need a budget. It's funny because um, I got married super young. That marriage did not last, and it happened over a budget. Whenever my ex suggested we start budgeting, I was like, see ya. It's freaky. It's free. I mean, it's freaky. It's like, hey, I'm going to handcuff you. Is that okay with you? It's like, no, it's not okay. I, I, you know, I don't want to do that. Yeah, it's it's the I mean, I think what is it? The number one reason in relationships that that it goes south is because of money. It is such a sensitive topic and we talk here on being boss a lot about really keeping track of your finances professionally that looking at your expenses uh, sending people invoices so you can have income. It's Seriously. so important, but let's talk a little bit more about personal budgeting. Mm-hmm. Well, that's that's interesting that you say we talk about kind of being professional because when it goes personal, we su- we suddenly think that what you would do in your business doesn't or shouldn't apply. But really, if you take that kind of pro mindset, like, hey, I'm the boss here, like I'm running my gig, then... If you just apply that same little bit of rigor to your personal budget, you find out that it gives you so much more freedom, it lowers your stress, and it it really opens things up for you where people are afraid that it's going to be like, hey, you can't have sugar for the rest of your life, you know, that that type of thing. And so we really want to get people thinking that you you do want to treat your personal finances, uh, treat them like you would you know, a business. Um, but don't be so stodgy. You know, that's, that's one part. You got to loosen up. You got to, we'll maybe get to that, but yeah, you do want to take that mindset across and, uh, yeah, kind of be an adult about it at the end of the day. That's always the hard part being an adult. (laughs) 
<laughs> so we use YNAB very religiously in our home and in our business. Um, David is my partner and he manages all the money. Um, and it's, it's one of those things where I don't want to look at it. I've got a million other things to do and I can trust him to manage all the things, which is really great. And we have YNAB for both business and personal. It's two separate accounts that we have, and we manage it all separately, but all together there in YNAB. And since we've started using it, it has changed everything because we were really good about budgeting business stuff. And whenever we did do the transition to doing personal as well, it's certainly something where we found so much more freedom in our life as well as our business by having these budgets in place and knowing how much money we can spend. I don't have to think about it. I have the pleasure of not having to think about money on that scale because one, I have David managing it for me, well, for us, because he loves it. Yeah. <laughs> and two, because we have this really great piece of software that makes it really easy for us to budget everything. We just got back from being Boss New Orleans, and money management was part of that job for me. We took 75 of our bosses to New Orleans, and it was a lot of fun, but we had to manage a lot of money to do it. So having David there using YNAB even to guide me as to what I could and couldn't spend money on allowed me to buy dinner for everyone without batting an eye at the fact that we were literally spending thousands of dollars on dinner, <laughs> having a bit of a shopping budget and not having having to think about how much money I could spend because we had a budget in place that gave me room to play without thinking about it. It was a really pretty great scenario and all made possible because we had a budget in place. Yeah, Emily, you seem super chill whenever we were spending thousands of dollars on dinner. And even though we had the money, it was like, it freaked me out. But you were so calm about it, probably because you had a budget, that it really calmed me down about it, too. Good. I'm glad to hear it. The the, the ticket with that is if you don't have a budget, and a budget is just a fancy word for, for deciding beforehand what you want to do with your money, right? And people don't bristle when you say, hey... Do you want to have like a schedule for our vacation to Paris? No one says like, oh my gosh, vacation to Paris. Like I would never want to schedule that. No, you have like, let's hit the Eiffel Tower. Let's hit these few things, highlights. No one thinks that's crazy to plan ahead. But when it comes to money and I'm like, hey, what things would you like your money to do? Suddenly it's really restrictive. So the difference when you don't have that plan beforehand and you go to like this event in New Orleans and then you can't spend anything. So because you haven't allowed yourself to spend anything, every single penny that you spend is just full of guilt, full of questioning. Even though it's to it could be totally fine. You could have tons and tons in the bank, have everything ready to roll. It's totally fine. You're totally in the green. And still your emotional feeling is... This is a little stressful like, because I haven't given myself permission to do this. So the opposite of permission is it's totally restricted. Yeah. So what we really try and get people to do is just say, what do you want? And then you go from there. And nobody wants loads of credit card debt. Nobody wants money stress. But we, we have to really be intentional and make decisions and not judge. Right? Like I used to really – I've really had to rip this out of my soul – to kind of like pass judgment on people's spending. I used to say, oh, if you 
love to buy shoes, I would use that as an ex- like a, a very stereotypical example. Or we talked, we mentioned golf. I would do that. I would say, oh, if you love golf, as a stereotypical waste of money example. And I've really tried to get away from that and just be like, you know what? If you love shoes, you love shoes. If you're honest about it, you're honest about it. And more power to you. You need more shoes, you know. But it's you've got to be intentional and you got to really own it. And that that's where the stress all disappears when you really own it. I want to talk a little bit about the emotion behind money and maybe even just your money philosophy. I think a lot of, and it was especially whenever I quit my day job and someone else wasn't handing me a paycheck anymore and I was making my own paycheck, I really started thinking about what is money? And my philosophy is that money is energy and um, money is just a good way to measure what that energy is. So I'm curious to hear your philosophy on money, if you ever go deep with it or ever think like, what is money? And then also maybe why there's so much emotion attached to it. My favorite book of all time is getting kind of old now, but it's Your Money or Your Life. And um, they've... The original one that I read had kind of a, an investing section I didn't really care for, but the philosophical component was money is time, and you're basically trading time. Energy being, I mean, you're trading your energy day in and day out. You are renting your energy and getting something back. And th- being able to flip that around and say, like, this is my life, suddenly when you're when I tell you things like, hey, our first rule is to give every dollar a job, I'm really saying like, okay, you traded some of your life away for this pile of money, small or large. So what do you want to do with your life? And that is, it's not about dollars and cents at all. Just what you said, that's just a measurement. But when I say, what do you don't want to do with your life? People get really honest and they really get to the essence of things and then they're making really good decisions. There's all sorts of things where we run into like math and I'm not a numbers person. We, get, we can get past all of that. But if you can just be honest about what do you want to do with your life, then, and I'm not talking about quit your job or, I mean, that's, that stuff's all great. It's all great. I'm just like straight up, there's a guy who wants to work for 30 years in a widget factory on an assembly line. Cool. You've traded that for this big pile of money. What do you want to do with your life? And it gets people thinking in, in a good place, I think. Ooh, that's good. I think that running out your time is such an interesting way of looking at it. And the fact that your time is the energy used to make it do. Yeah. High five. Yeah. I mean, and it's not rent in like a bad thing at all. Like, right. I, like if you're happy doing what you're doing and you're happy collecting a paycheck, like I don't like when people kind of like they kind of make the entrepreneurial thing really romantic and it's not, it's just one way to earn earn some money, one way to trade your energy. But um, I feel like sometimes people are kind of like, oh, you're your own boss. What a, I hope I'm not stepping on you guys here. But like, No, but, not at all. But it's not just, I, I, I don't like how they romanticize like, oh, you've got your own business. You set your own schedule. You're like, set my own schedule. No way. Like, I, sh- I got to show up. I got to stay. You know, it's not nearly as romantic as we think. <laughs> 
Yeah, this uh, this whole podcast is kind of an expose on how okay, hard good. it can be working <laughs> yeah. for yourself. Yeah, it's... and that's what we try and do is help people be more boss and and remember that they're building their dream job. And it is a lot of asking yourself, what do you want? Yeah. Um, I find a lot of people become almost depressed whenever they start working for themselves because it's not as dreamy as they thought it might be, and that's because it still takes a lot of work. And I find that a lot of people start sacrificing more of who they are to their clients who are kind of their new bosses and not doing things that they want to be doing. And what's the point? If you're working for yourself and you're not loving it, what's the point of working for yourself? Yeah, absolutely. So let's talk a little bit about the YNAB method because it's not just a piece of software. You guys do have um, really good educational tools and philosophies behind what you're doing. So yeah. can you outline that method a little bit? Yeah, for absolutely. Us? So we're we're really an education company, and we make money selling software to help you implement what we teach. But at our core, we're kind of a blend of tech and then education. So. Um, we give away the education and it's worked really well. And we've frameworked it kind of around four rules. The software is just built to support those four rules. The first one is that you give every dollar a job, just a fancy way of, of answering that question. What do you want to do with your life? We have people just look at their checking account balance and say, what do you want this money to do before new money comes in? You know, before the client pays you, what do you want that money to do? And answer that question and then re-answer it because you were wrong the first time. And uh, and really kind of reassess. So the the second rule, we we say embrace your true expenses. And a lot of times when I'm teaching this to people, I'll I'll say like, hey, list your expenses. And I'll even maybe bait them and say, list your monthly expenses for me. And they'll say things like cable, cell phone, maybe Netflix subscription or rent. They might say groceries, but their mind goes toward monthly events that happen fairly frequently. And that is what they feel are their expenses. And then you say things like, what about vacation? And they're like, oh, yeah, that's not really a, a monthly expense. Or what about the holidays? Like, do you, you know, Christmas comes every year, basically the you know, same exact day, and we're always surprised. So we start to pick out these larger, less frequent expenses and break them up into manageable monthly amounts. And we call that your true expenses. A lot of times people get caught when they're first budgeting, they're feeling really good, and then something just comes out of nowhere, like uh, big, like quarterlies for, for entrepreneurs, right? Your quarterly taxes. Oh, yeah. That's like hell, right? And so, you know, you have this CPA, you know, heaven help you, but you're working with this CPA, and, and they're like, did you pay your quarterlies? And you're like, my what? You know, like, I, I was doing really well. I got money in the bank, and it's like, oh, we have to take all the money. So that is a big you know, whack on the side of the head. But that's it's a good example of something where you should break it down, set it aside monthly. And then when the bill comes due for that large, less frequent expense, you just pay it because you've been essentially paying it all along. And what we're really trying to do is just get those really steep ups and downs with money. They're, the steepness, the height of the valleys and the lows, those are where we make really bad decisions. When things are really good and like, like you've had five clients pay you in three days, you're like, oh my gosh, I am loaded, right? You're at this top. And then when things are really, and you make really bad decisions because you think you're totally rich. And then at the very bottom, when things are really bad, you're making really bad decisions because you're stressed. So we really want to make it super boring. 
and <laughs> right. just have it's like, oh, an expense came in. Oh, did it? Oh, it auto paid. Oh, did it? I mean, just kind of like, oh, that went in and out. Oh, okay, yeah. I'm just you just kind of cruise along. That's the whole idea with that second rule is to really capture what's coming in the future that's bigger, break it down, and then start to manage. I love the idea that money should be boring. Oh, so I mean, it already is a horrible topic, right? So if you make it boring, it's like who. People really, they, they're like, Jesse, how much time do you spend budgeting? And I'm like, I guarantee I spend less than you because I don't even, <laughs> it's just, I mean, Julie and I sit down, we, you know, we decide what we want to do. Most of it's already decided. It's like clothes for the kids. Yeah. Okay. You know, pay the light bill. Of course. You don't even think about that stuff. Yeah. And we just talk about like, where, where do we want to go on vacation? You know, we try and get out of the house twice a year at least and do something kind of fun. That's where we talk. That's. If that's budgeting, I'll take it, you know, planning vacation. You know, it's funny because whenever I first started working for myself, I would pay myself when I got a big paycheck. Mm -hmm. Um, And then if I didn't have a paycheck that month or any clients, I would not be paying myself. So whenever my sister first partnered up with me at Braid Creative, like the first month I wrote us a $6,000 paycheck and she was like, wow, we're doing really well. And then the next month it was like $300. And she was like, now can I take over the finances? And it got really boring, but we have a steady paycheck. It feels almost day Mm job-ish because we have a steady paycheck. We take our taxes out of that paycheck every two weeks. And uh, no matter if we have a lot of clients or no clients um, that month, we get the same amount. And it comes with good old boring budgeting. Yeah, hats off to your sister because that's that's tough for a lot of people to manage. But it's just when you're in that kind of ebb and flow scenario where you have, you know, a realtor or whatever, where you've got big windfalls and then droughts, it's, it's no way to live. So you really want to, as far as budgeting goes, you want to be setting more aside for paying your normal bills than someone would on a normal salary. And instead of having just one month set aside for your mortgage payment, maybe you decide, well, I'll set aside three months, you know, because I kind of have these droughts and you'll kind of want to fund into the future a little bit. Um, so that, I mean, that's the first two rules. The third rule is that you get to change what you did with the first two rules whenever you want. And this is license to let you change your mind. And it's a rule. Like you have to change your mind. So if I say to you like, Hey, three of us, let's, let's go on vacation. Like let's go to the beach. And then it starts to rain just pour torrents of rain. Do we all just say like, Hey, no, we said beach, we're going to the beach, you know, and, and we just stand out there in the rain and have a miserable time. We, we, we always are adjusting. If you drive home, you you always drive home the same route. Your goal is to go home. And then you see there's a detour. You don't just slam on the brakes and like sit there until the detour is cleared. You're like, Oh, okay. Detour. I still want to go home. My goal hasn't changed. It's just, there's, you know, I have new information now. I wouldn't have gone this way had I known about the detour, and now you change your mind. When it comes to money, we're like, okay, I'm going to spend $400 on food. And you really actually spend $700, but you're amped up, so you're like, $400, you know, so you say it. And then you have people come over, like family comes over for a week, and you didn't realize that, and they eat you out of house and home. You didn't know that would happen. You would have planned differently had you known. I have all sorts of metaphors. I could go on for 20 minutes about this. Like the, the coach that makes halftime adjustments. You know, you'd be screaming at the, at the TV if the coach just kept the same game plan after seeing how the opponents played the first half. The grandmaster of chess. You know, everyone changes how they do things except 
when we decide to budget, we have like this arbitrary line in the sand where it's like, okay, laptop closed, nothing can change. It's like, what? Well, what if the laptop stayed open? You know, I mean, it's just really random. I don't know where it comes from, but budgeting is like, it just has this wrap of absolute restriction. So we had to make it a rule to get it across. Change yeah, it's mind. so good too. I and I wonder if you feel this, Emily, too. But I feel like every month there's something that comes up, and I'm like, "Well, that's not normal." But every <laughs> month it's about six hundred dollars of just random, not normal expenses. But now I can kind of rely on six hundred dollars worth of random whatever happening. Uh, so that's kind of that rolling with the punches. I also think that's where managing an ongoing budget comes in. It's where you start noticing these patterns of miscellaneous expenses that come around every month. And if you're not being mindful of it or tracking it on an ongoing basis, it will always be a surprise. But if you know that it's coming, then the surprise comes when you don't have to spend it. Exactly. You're like, oh, we have extra. Wow. Yeah. We When we first moved down to, we moved from Utah down to, Dallas for my first job with this big accounting firm. And we were really excited because we were getting a salary, right? Like, this is going to be awesome. And we, you know, when you move, you have lots of expenses, setting up utilities and just random things. You feel like you're kind of hemorrhaging. Right. And we were kind of in that moment. And then um, Julie asked, we had this, we had left this really nasty couch like back at our other place. And it had been sold from like, poor married couple to poor married couple like I don't know how many times it's disgusting so we we got rid of that couch and we're like we'll buy one when we're down there and we were about a month or two into living there and we have no couch like there's nowhere to sit except some folding chairs around the table and Julie's like can we buy a couch perfectly reasonable question you know and I I was like well we we will yeah let's just wait until we have kind of a normal month and then we'll buy the couch and she was like, so you're saying we'll never buy the couch? Yeah. You know? <laughs> because there's there's no normal. Like, there never is a normal. So, I mean, what you were saying there is it's absolutely right. Like, Kathleen, there's there's just not a every, – every month's a little different, and that's just the way life is. So if your heart's beating, it's going to happen, you know. Hello. Emily here to talk about running an efficient online biz. Doing business online is all about solutions, solutions for billing, time tracking, project management, scheduling, and each solution is only as good as the integrations that make your whole business work in harmony. When our new pals at Acuity Scheduling wanted us to share their awesomeness with all of you bosses, one of our first points was how do you integrate? And they surely did not disappoint. Whether you're a FreshBooks user, are married to Google, send emails with MailChimp, Aweber, Constant Contact, or Mad Mimi, or if you use Zapier to make all the things work the way you want them to, Acuity Scheduling makes sure your meetings are in line with how you do business online by integrating with all of these and more. Schedule clients without sacrificing your soul. Sign up for your free trial of scheduling sanity at acuityscheduling.com slash boss. Now, let's get back at it. Um, one of the things that I am curious what your thoughts are on, and this kind of leads into rule number four, but um, 
whenever I first started my business, I was really uncomfortable with the idea of projecting how much money I would make, yeah. especially being in a service-based industry and not really being able to measure it super well, especially with maybe being more flexible with my pricing and mm-hmm. just seeing what works and what doesn't. So I was really um, adamant about and disciplined about tracking how much I was making and not necessarily projecting how much I would be making, um, which might lead us into rule number four, which is... We, um, we're we actually going to rename it. We ah. I can't remember if we have it named now on the website or if it's... I, the new launch has me confused, but um, we we want people to learn to live on last month's income, but we've... Mm-hmm. We've tweaked it now, and we're telling people to age their money. Oh, and tell us more about that. It, we, I mean, it's the same. It's the same idea, but it doesn't marry you to this idea of like a paycheck cycle or a monthly cycle. And uh, it fits really well in with with creatives where you're getting paid at really random times. So, um, the idea of aging your money is just that a dollar takes about. We want it to take at least thirty days from the time it lands in your quote-unquote system until the time it leaves. So the age of that dollar, the next dollar you spend, you should have had it earned about 30 days ago. Maybe a little more, maybe a little less, but it's a good target. Our new software that we'll launch, it's a ways out still, but um, we actually calculate that, and we, we calculate the age of your money so that you can see quickly like, oh, we're at four days. Okay, that's pretty stressful. Or, oh, we're at 45 days. No wonder I sleep pretty well. You know, that, that type of thing. And we just, we just follow those dollars and say, like, okay, the dollar came in. When did that dollar leave? Took about 40 days. And you have a really good stat. Um, wow. David is going to love that upgrade. Oh, yeah. It'll be, it'll be, I'm glad we can make him happy. But it, it's the, the idea that you can kind of step back from the edge and have a little time to think through if there's a little bit of a drought. Um, just kind of examine options and not feel like what you said earlier resonated where I think it was you, Kathleen, that said you you don't, you know, your clients are your bosses. If you're living hand to mouth, you're desperate for clients. You'll take anyone, even the people you would never want to work for. And it, it's a glorious moment when you can start saying no to the crazies. Yeah, and you know, it's so interesting how it's all connected, truly, because whenever you say yes to clients you don't want, you're doing your own expertise a disservice. You're not being able to build a portfolio or a client list of the kinds of projects you want to be known for. Yeah. Um, so, you know, I would say even it's Emily and I being able to budget that we were able to start this podcast because we had enough flexibility and time and freedom in our lives to do that. And it all comes back to money and that idea that money is energy. And the more boring our money can be, the more exciting the stuff we're doing in our downtime can be. Absolutely. Really. So this is a little bit of a tangent, but I'm totally into this tidying up book. Like. <gasps> Me too. It's it's changed. It's like blowing my mind. At our house, it's all we talk. Our friends are like, you guys are, we go out to dinner. We're like, so can we talk about the book? Is it, is it okay? (laughs) You know, but it's, but I was, I was thinking about how in this book, she's like, if you clear out all of the cruft and things that's like draining you, you know, you clear it out, then suddenly you can focus. And if you can clear out money from being this drain, where it's just like it's a thing that enables you to achieve your goals. You know, starting a podcast, jumping ship from a job that's kind of draining you, 
um, traveling for a while, like trying some like remote work instead of commuting, any number of things that are could be like big life structure changes. It lets you do that, and it's just a way of like if you kind of tidy up the money. It, it, it's not screaming at you and like interrupting you all the time. It's just, it's kind of there and it's just this steady rhythm and you start to not really even notice it. it it's a nice spot to be. Everyone can get there. It, anyone can get there. It really is possible. And I also feel like nothing kills creativity like desperation. Mm-hmm. You cannot be creative whenever you're feeling desperate. Or, I mean, that's not entirely true. Emily, you started your business not in a desperate place, but in a place where you had had a baby and you were like, I need to, you know, put the rubber to the road and just make this thing happen. I think that's a little bit different. I think motivation is different than desperation. But whenever you feel desperate, it's just never good for your creativity. Um... I well, Emily. Do you have any questions? I d- I do have a question. I have a question about budgeting. <laughs> you were saying a minute ago about actually, Kathleen. You divorced your first husband. Yeah, I was done. So my question is about money blocks and how often it is that you run into people who sincerely struggle with budgeting. And I guess your advice for people who have a hard time making their money work for them. Yeah. So you start super, super small, right? You like, you give them like, didn't tobacco companies used to like leave cigarettes on arcades or something? I'm going to use that <laughs> metaphor because that seems very kind. I've never so, heard that. Yeah. Me neither. That's horrifying. I, think, I don't think it was in the US, but I feel like, I don't know. I shouldn't throw that around. It's That's just such a mean thing, but... Anyway, that's probably it's tobacco like, companies, whatever. Or, yeah, it's urban them. legend, and it's probably true. So, and <laughs> um, we'll say allegedly, just yeah. so that we don't get <laughs> Alleg- sued by anyone. Allegedly, um, <laughs> this, yeah. So the idea is you start them small and you get them hooked, right? And you want to frame it around something that they want that's totally positive. So you don't say like, "Oh, I think you should spend less on groceries." No spending less. You actually want them to spend more. That's that's the. That's the gateway drug, right? So you get them in and you say like, um, if it were a spouse, like a reluctant spouse, I wouldn't even talk about money. I would talk about the thing that we want, right? I would, let's make it a vacation. So I'd be like, we should go on vacation. You're right, we should. I don't want to do it on credit cards as it kind of stresses me out, but like I do want to go on vacation. Like where should we go? So I just touch on money for a second saying I don't want to go into debt for it. And then we're back and I'm like, where do we go? And you just frame it around like the want, all about the want. And it's like, let's do that. Like, I wonder how much it would cost. Oh, man, this is going to be so awesome. What would you want to do there away from cost again, right? And we just, I feel like I'm tricking them. But you're not really. You're just trying to frame it around like, what do we want? Like, genuinely. And it's so much easier, especially in partner situations. This is key. It's so much better to talk about the intangible benefits of, of budgeting and you never say money. Usually, like, you know, I really want to um, reignite my career as a designer. And you're, you're working some office job, right? So your partner's like, yeah, I would want you to do that too. And you're not talking about money or I might be quitting so he might be having to cut back or this or that. It's just like talking about wants. And if you can get just one concrete goal, hopefully a small one, like, hey, didn't you want that I don't know. Uh, my wife wants an Apple Watch, right? Didn't you want that Apple Watch? They're like 300 bucks. We should get that. Like, let's save up for that. Three weeks later, you get it. That's budgeting, and they didn't know it at the time. And it's just that kind of like little starts, little goals, little wins, 
You run everything. You bear the whole burden to keep you sane. But you just slowly try and lead him into this idea of like, let's decide what we want and let's work toward it. Then they'll start to see like, oh yeah, I really should track. I mean, this is a little down the road. I should track what I spend so that we can see how we're doing getting to our wants. Um, But it's a total reframing. Because anytime you approach that partner and you're like, I think we need a budget, like in the name of our company, you just never say that, you know, <laughs> it freaks, it, it freaks them out. They're thinking you're going to control them. They're thinking that you're blaming them for how things are going. Um, they're, they're telling themselves a story about what you just said. And the story could be wildly inaccurate from your intentions, but that, that story, there's a book called Crucial Conversations that I've been working through and they do an excellent job talking about this, but you instantly tell yourself a story when that partner says, we need a budget. You're like, I did, I'm not, it's not my fault. And they're like, whoa, I just said we need a budget. You know, I didn't say anything. But the story you tell can be like, no, I, I, I had to buy this thing. It's like it goes off the rails so fast. So you just got to get away from the money for a while and just talk about shared goals, as crazy as that sounds in a relationship. And you know, there's like a, I think there's a special opportunity for creative entrepreneurs or entrepreneurs in general. Um, My husband now, who I adore and love, recently mentioned needing to budget a little Uh bit. And so I was like, oh, (gasps) are we going to get divorced? (laughs) Like really freaking out. And, um, but it was cool because now as a creative entrepreneur, I kind of rail against the Susie Orman, like latte factor, oh, like, yeah. do, you know, of this don't buy your latte. I'm more about, okay, how much more money do I need to make? What can I launch? How much should I raise my prices? So I kind of do, instead of um, budgeting from like a scarcity point of view, I like to budget from an abundance point of view. Instead of slicing up my pie, I like to make my pie bigger. Um, So that's kind of a fun opportunity whenever it comes to budgeting, whenever you work for yourself, because the ceiling for how much you can make, there's no definition there. There's no limits there. Absolutely. So I I started... I, I'll, I'll circle back to scarcity because it's a really fascinating um, principle. But when I first started YNAB, it was because we'd been budgeting and then Porter was going to be born. And Julie really wanted to just be a mom. She didn't want to have to keep her job. She was like, I really want to do this. And I totally was all for it. And But then she was the sole, like, I mean, I was earning some money part-time, but I had like two years of school left. Like my prospects were not great with earning money. And um, so I was like, okay, I can work this many hours part-time and Julie was going to stop completely. And I'm projecting out, trying to figure out what, and I didn't want to borrow money for school and we were going to totally be in the red. And that scene that like, this doesn't work was frustrating at the time. But I realized that if I could just sell YNAB, this thing that had been working for us, and if I could make rent, it was 350 bucks a month. If I can make rent, it changes our life. And we lived in this like mold-infested place. I'm certain it had mold because we had respiratory issues the entire time we were there. But it was this nasty little hole of a place, but it was $350. And I knew that that would be the game changer for us. And that's what launched YNAB. So it was, it was the idea of abundance. It was like, okay, we don't have enough, but I can make something happen. And uh, there's a little bit of ego attached to that idea, but I think everyone needs to embrace it. You know, like you need a little bit of ego 
to be able to say like, I can go out and make money, you know? And I think it's, it's good. I, I hate when people, oh, another subject, but just devalue what they know and what they can do and how uniquely qualified they are for so many things. So a little bit of ego and then you just, you go for it, but it, it changed our lives. I mean, it's been a decade now and I'm so glad that things were so tight and that I didn't just think, well, I'll ride out, I'll ride on some student loans for a while. Instead, and this is where scarcity comes in, scarcity lets you confront reality. So you're dealing with scarcity and you're like, I'm going to make my pie bigger. That's a solution, right? Where if you look to debt or just bury your head in the sand, you're not letting scarcity do its job of like prodding you along. So projections for creatives sometimes can kill scarcity because they'll just fire up a spreadsheet and like imagine scarcity away. Like, oh, I'll just I'll just earn more money. It's like, no, no, no. You need to you need to embrace the fact that things are tight and now go out, launch the thing, land the new client, find some leads. So that scarcity is so important for us. And if we ignore the budget completely, we never feel it's force, and that if you don't have that force behind you, it's hard to get you doing things that are really going to change the game. That's so good. I, I have a question because whenever you talked about burying your head in the sand, I know a lot of um, a lot of people, creatives, entrepreneurs, day jobbers, are so freaked out to look at their money. And I was that person at one point too. I did what I called intuitive banking where I would just kind of feel whether or not I had money to spend. Um, And I think a lot of people do that. So I'm curious what you would tell someone who's scared to just crunch the numbers. Oh man. Sometimes I don't know if it's something you say or if it's something that happens, you know, a lot of times I almost feel like there needs to be like this externality, like this event that just kind of flips a switch for him. Um, For me, it was a baby coming. You know, it was like, oh, okay. For some, it's a relationship change. They're out of a relationship or they're coming into a relationship, Um, buying a house, changing jobs, moving, different events like that. Um, I mean, there are horrible events uh, like divorce or bankruptcy, foreclosure. But sometimes those can be just the thing to kind of prod you along. It's hard to think there's something to say besides just assuring them over and over like, no, it'll be okay. You know, it'll be okay. But um, that's the kind of thing you do from a place of, you know, really just encouragement, empathy, um, just recognizing where they are. It's It's real. You know, the stress they're feeling is real. And so you got to make sure you don't, stomp all over it and just say, no, no, it'll be fine. Like for them, it's hard to, hard to believe that in the moment. Right. And I think what you were saying earlier about starting small is huge. Start small. Just look at the things that you spend money on. Just start adding that up and see how much that is. And then probably, you know, how much, especially if you have a day job or a regular paycheck, you probably know how much money you get, or at least now you know how much money you need just to survive. So that's the first thing I would recommend to anyone just from a, uh, not being a mathy person, just add up where your money is going. And it's so easy these days with things like YNAB, um, to see, you know, because I I don't use YNAB, sorry. That's fine, but um <laughs> Catherine, I, I still like you. Don't worry about I'm it. I'm so yeah. sorry. But um everything gets so digital that it's just automatically synced up, you know, and 
it's so easy now to look at your money and just to, I think once you look at it and you shine a light on it, you realize that the boogie monster is not hiding in your bank account. Yeah. It's not as bad as you think. It also becomes so much less emotional. It's just numbers as opposed to intuition. Mm -hmm. Yeah. (laughs) Or like identity, you know, I mean, people, they wrap up, they're like, I mean, they wrap up like their whole self-worth in their net worth, which is so horrible, you know? And um, so, yeah, you can kind of separate yourself from it and not, don't, you don't attach your, your value to it. And then you can kind of start to address it. Starting small is really good. I mean, I was, I guess I was kind of weird, but when I was 16, I realized I was spending too much on like going out, you know, like going out with friends and not like I was making a lot of money or had any bills at all. But I was just kind of like, man, I wonder what I'm spending. And I just started writing down what I spent. And then lo and behold, without my, I didn't tell myself to spend less. But just the awareness changed my behavior. And there was a a killer uh, example. You guys know Tim Ferriss that wrote The 4-Hour Body. Yeah. He has this, this bit about this guy that lost a lot of weight by recording his weight every day and having like acceptable um, variances of that weight. But he kind of was like, okay, here's my trend line. It's going to go down. Here's where I am. Here's where I want to be. And then he would just plot his weight. He he didn't change a thing, just made himself aware on a daily basis. And his little decisions started falling in line with that awareness. And at the end of the day, that's what we're really, we're really selling awareness, just having people I'm so glad that you brought that up because whenever I think about money and budgeting, I also think about food and I'm like a, I really love working out and I, and she eats a lot and I eat a lot. (laughs) I eat a whole lot, Mm -hmm. but I, I could actually put the Widenab method to how I eat and what I eat and how it fuels my workouts and rolling with the punches. Or if there's changes in my workouts, there's going to be changes in what I eat or don't eat. Um, so that's another thing, you know, is simply writing down what you're eating or what you're spending. It's just kind of, I see so many correlations between money and then fitness and food. Oh, yeah. Yeah. The metaphors are endless. What's what you manage, you improve. You know, and, and and it's not like you have to try hard, but just the awareness, um, it it works. That there's a guy that you guys should have on at some point. His name is B.J. Fogg. He's out of Stanford, and um, he teaches Tiny Habits, and it's really about awareness. And it's he got me to floss daily. You nice. Know? Yeah, I mean, I was like, okay, I hate flossing. He's like, no, just this 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 whole idea of triggers. So like, after you put the cap on the toothpaste, floss one tooth. Seriously. So you're like one tooth and he's like, just one, just floss the one, not all of them. Cause that's too big of a commitment. And I did it. And like, of course you start flossing. You're like, well, I'll do the other teeth, but the commitment is one. And it's, it was cool, but it was just this awareness thing. I did the same thing with Julie is a phenomenal cook. Right. And I was thinking to myself, this seems really calculated and it is, but, um, I was like, I should tell her thanks more, like be more appreciative because she makes phenomenal dinners. And uh, it's like her, it's basically her number one hobby. And um, anyway, so I I was like, how could I be more appreciative? And I I needed some awareness around it, you know? It's like a soft skill. And so I, I set up a trigger where it's like, after you stand up from the table, you'll tell Julie thanks. And I wasn't like lying or anything like, 
it was really horrible and I lied, but it never is horrible. But I, yeah, so I would stand up and that was this trigger and I would just tell her thanks. It was, you know, and it was small and just this little thing, but, um, she noticed after a while and it was, it was such a tiny little change and it's totally in this like soft arena of like really appreciating your, you know, your spouse, like you're going to set up a trigger for that. Like, shouldn't that just be natural? But I was like, well, I really wanted to do it better, you know? And so that awareness, you, you just got to pick things and, and, uh, change your behavior a little bit at a time, not willpower, you know? Just a little bit at a time. So anyway, he's someone that you should try and he fascinating stuff around like behavior change and, and all that. It all ties into money, that. so it gets me excited. Yeah, let's get him on. We'll send him an email. Mm-hmm. All right, but first I have another question. <laughs> so David made me promise to throw this one in because he loves YNAB and fanboyed pretty hard whenever he heard that I was going to be chatting with you. Um, so... I have little to no money management skills, but I do have a David and David loves managing money. Um, and so he, he has used YNAB to, to really help us streamline our life and business finances. Um, for example, this summer, which is kind of a big wild adventure for us. We took a 40 day road trip. We moved to a new city and bought a house. We took our 75 bosses to New Orleans. We've been doing a whole lot of stuff to put our money to work, and it's all been made possible by by budgeting and, and specifically using YNAB as the tool to help us budget easily. So the question he has and I have is uh, we want to know what your craziest success story is of someone who has begun using YNAB. Well, it's oh, – man, that's tough. So there's there there's two, right? There's, um, and their names, I, I'd have to dig up their names. We did a survey way like six years ago, seven years ago. And we asked people like, what was your bank account balance before starting YNAB? And what was it after? And how long have you been using it? Right. So at, this is kind of the aggregate at, in one month, they've, I think it was like, they've saved $300. And it's not like we're saying don't spend money quite the opposite actually. But, um, People just kind of clean up where money's not lined up with their priorities. By month nine, their bank account balance changed from around 300 on average, 350 to 3300. And so I feel like I could take a, take this to a bank and be like, "Hey, bank, like, would you want to 10x your deposits? You know, which means you could 10x." Anyway, it's it's it was a fascinating like aggregate success story where people are just way further away from the line. We did some digging into that survey, and we looked at big changes. And there are some people that really just, they're like, you know what? I'm going to change everything. And they really get into it. They sell stuff like crazy, just sell, sell, sell. And they have this big flip in net worth as a result. And then that that is, and that's really cool. Like, I love doing extreme things because it kind of like, tests you, it moves the needle, uh, you find like a new base of operation. Um, so I love doing that. But um, the other side of a success story like that is the person that, like just today on Twitter, someone was like, I haven't had a year, I've had a year of no overdrafts in my checking account. And if you think about the amount of stress that causes someone and then that it's gone, uh, that it's huge. I can't, I, I can't empathize with that. I've never been that close to the line, thank goodness. But 
I can certainly appreciate the fact that this person went from total stress, like no money or negative money, waiting for the next paycheck, to a spot where they, you know a year of uh, not having a single overdraft. That to me is is huge, and it, it's happening all the time. So people on all different income levels, situations, locations, it, the the rules uh, work well for them. Awesome. Good. I'm glad it's so helpful. <laughs> yeah. Thank you so much for coming on to Being Boss. We're so excited to have you here and to be having the money conversation. It's a conversation we're going to keep having because we want bosses to make more money. And I think the key takeaway today is that just being aware and mindful of your money is going to help it grow. Perfect. Thanks so much for joining us, Jesse. We love having you on. Thank you for listening to Being Boss. Find show notes for this episode at lovebeingboss.com. Listen to past episodes and subscribe to new episodes on our website, on iTunes, SoundCloud, or Stitcher. Did you like this episode? Head on over to our Facebook group by searching Being Boss on Facebook and join in on the conversation with other bosses or share it with a friend. Do the work, be boss, and we'll see you next week.